welcome to another episode of the Random Cinematic Universe, the show where we let an evil computer algorithm choose the movies we watch and then review on the show. Uh, this week, I have with me Mark Nadeau and Nina Bordeval, uh, and we're watching In Dreams from 1999. It was shot in 1997, mm -hmm. uh, directed by Neil Jordan, starring Annette Bening, Robert Downey Jr., Aidan Quinn, and Paul Guilfoyle. And I cannot ever associate that name with anybody but Guilfoyle from Silicon Valley. Um, Don't forget Stephen Reed, who is the yeah, psychiatrist. Just going over the main cast. Yeah, man. yeah, he was kind of mean. A little. Yeah. These are like the top, the top mm -hmm. four from mm -hmm. I. For sure. Um, In Dreams is a film that follows Annette Bening's character um, as she has these dreams and she does all these drawings where she has visions but it's always that they're useless until like she doesn't get the visions until after the events have happened um and it's what follows uh mark you've watched it most recently give us a little quick synopsis um, of the film yeah so she seems seems to be an artist uh who's like an illustrator but is sort of plagued by these oh man <coughs> sorry <coughs> edit that out um seems no. to be she seems to be uh claire seems to be plagued by these um almost like clairvoyant visions that seem to happen after something has occurred so something that doesn't um something is bad um sort of appears to her and she thinks it's someone's oh, okay we're gonna just we're gonna, nope, 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 nope. I'm gonna airplane my phone. <laughs> see if that helps. Yeah, I'm gonna be airplane mode. It's Jacob. Jacob pinging us. Okay, mine's in airplane mode, so I shouldn't. Jacob, go away. I shouldn't do that anymore. Um, okay, so back to the story. Um, so Claire um, is a, looks like a children's book illustrator. Um, she's plagued by these sort of clairvoyant visions that just pop in um she doesn't understand the meaning she doesn't really have like a uh, somebody to um interpret the dreams for her so she tries to interpret them on her own uh typically in the movie they always seem to be coming after an event has happened so she thinks there are things that have already happened except for later on in the movie where they are actually are sort of uh telling the future um but yeah it was uh it was an interesting movie um you know there's some tragedy that happens to her um there's a seems to be a serial killer who has been uh, abducting children and she has a vision pretty early on in the film that she attributes to the current missing child. Mm -hmm. So she sends her husband off to go talk to uh, the, the the police speaks to a detective. They think um, they think he's crazy because they've already found the body of the girl, uh -huh. uh, the current girl that was missing. And then uh, the, the story progresses. And unfortunately, <laughs> It's their kid that gets abducted, and yeah. it was her vision. Her vision of was of her child that had been abducted and by by the serial killer. And waking uh, waking up at six a.m. and watching this movie not not a great start <laughs> to my day. I'm just gonna say um, this is like any any parent's like worst worst fear. Uh, so this has to be like traumatizing to anybody who has um, who has children or who has had anything happen to their children. So. Yeah, this was a uh, rough wake up. Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean it's a good movie. Um, love the imagery, I love the foreshadowing, but it's like 
like and at times i don't know was it just the fact that i'd woken up and i haven't had caffeine but did this movie feel rushed like i felt like there was a lot going on in a short amount of time yeah it did it was very much yeah um, like i don't know if you found this but i found like watching the movie it was just go 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 Mm -hmm. go 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 like there was there was very little breathing room and at times i felt like like a feverish dream like like she's having these visions and like okay it's pretty clear to tell when it's a vision because they sort of have like a like a vignette sort of effect around when it's a vision versus when it's real life but sometimes when it was real life it was still taking on that effect like when she was in the asylum and and it felt like okay is this is this a dream is this real what's a dream what's real and and that's kind of what made the movie fun is because you're you're watching it and you're guessing what's what's a dream and what is real and it was I mean probably the intent to make it feel very dreamlike throughout the movie because that's you know the whole point of the movie but. yeah I have to assume that that whole middle part is just its intention is sort of to take you along the ride with her mm-hmm. of of is this happening is this not happening because like when she's having those moments of insanity and when she's in the insane asylum, things get so convoluted that mm. I'm like, is this even really happening? Like her like peeling off the wallpaper, mm. her happened to be in the same psychiatric room that mm. the murderer was in back. Like, I was just like, is this yeah. real? Mm. Like, or is this just in yeah. her head? Like I felt like that whole middle part <laughs> just didn't match the beginning of mm. the movie mm. or the end of the movie. And I can only attribute it to, we're supposed to be on this journey of like craziness in her head. But I found it really hard to watch that part of it. And I love that you thought it was a good movie because I thought it could be a good movie. Mm. It it did feel rough around the edges. I feel like this movie was like 75% there. You know what I mean? I feel like there were, there could have been a bit more development of the characters there could, I mean, it was shot beautifully. Like, don't get me wrong. This movie was shot amazingly. They don't have to, they don't have to change a thing. Uh, maybe right. maybe it was editorial. Maybe they didn't have enough. Uh, right out of the gate. Because mm-hmm. um, the movie opens with uh, a little blurb about in 1965, this mm. town was evacuated and yeah. flooded to create a dam. That was so and bizarre. So you, get the, you get the entire <laughs> flooding of the town. And that was shot so well. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like it looked so good. Well, underwater photography mm-hmm. is not easy. So, mm-hmm, yeah. Mm-hmm. And... Oh yeah, just that whole thing. And I remember thinking, like, if they had mm-hmm. to build the set and flood it, that is impressive. And it turns out that's exactly what they did. They mm-hmm. built that whole set mm-hmm. and they just they built this town set and just flooded it. Mm-hmm. So this movie um, budget was 30 million. So I guess back in 97, 30 million went a lot further than it does today because yeah. like this was some of it was like, like, how did they pull this off? And I think part of it was the amazing locations that they found that were mm-hmm. actually there's mm-hmm. an actual asylum that they used and the house that they lived in. And the um, the old hotel uh, where they found with yeah. she finds the body or where the she she predicts the body is with her dog mm-hmm. um, that was insane and like just the the even just the forest scene where they were having their little children's play I was yeah. like holy crap like this yeah. is so well done this is yeah. perfectly lit the little lights that the kids are are like mm-hmm. and like wow it just I don't know if because maybe they were on on film this is one of those movies where they were still not quite on digital yet. They were still using older, yeah, you know, older film techniques. And, and it's just like, like everybody was on their game for this movie. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, maybe it was the writing. Maybe it was the script that was just too rushed. Uh, no, I, I feel like we're rushing through our, mm-hmm. our renditions of it. So to go back to the beauty, the cinematography, mm-hmm. uh, the, the, just the imagery of it all. Um, and so that, that 
the flooded city mm-hmm. and like just diving through it. What a massive, colossal waste of money. Yeah. Because mm. that did not apply to the plot line at all. Oh, you mean <laughs> the scuba, scuba diving and going through? Yeah. It Just didn't, the existence of it. Didn't need to happen. Well, no, like the, the whole thing of the flooded town was crucial to the serial killer's backstory. Was it necessary to show any of it? <sighs> massive waste mm. of money I, I kind of agree Too close to the microphone right <laughs> i mean it was it was beautiful it was beautifully Look shot and it was amazing okay let's shit on nina great i'm having fun <laughs> no um, i i, I well, agree there it but they, it they, was they, really nice to watch but did it really need to happen mm, i would say maybe maybe I, a third I think of it, it i think it hooks you in that's for mm. sure i also feel like but it never came up they didn't build an entire <laughs> i feel like they didn't build an entire town mm. they built like you know, a couple thousand well, square feet. Built the church and then just shot it from every angle. Yeah, they definitely built that church. 100%. Yeah, percent. Yeah, uh, and then the the finding the couple bodies underwater. Um, you know, but that again, that's like a day or two instead of like a whole. It also week doesn't make any longer, sense right? that they find her daughter in the ravine when she's only been gone less than twelve hours, but she's mm. having visions of her daughter in the orchard, which is north of where their town is. Yeah, the, ge- was, the geography. Yeah, yeah. Of yeah. that murder and the importance of the murderer being attached to the underwater city mm-hmm. uh, was geographically inaccurate and just took me out of the story. I was and like, she be, can't have like, been. This could be like 15 minute drive apart from each other. But if he was kidnapping a little girl, why would he drive her to an orchard just to drive her right back to put her in in the water? And if she's the only uh, one. Yeah, I get it. And I think. Um, and when... if they're going to shoot underwater mm. of the city, like then explain it to me. I think, too, no. I think it makes a bit more sense later because Ruby, he was trying to get things to work, right? So he was trying, I think, the the serial killer. Um, oh, you mean Vivian? Vivian, yeah. yeah. So so Vivian was trying to get things to work. <laughs> and, and obviously, um, for every other previous victim, things didn't work out or, or he just got upset or, or whatever it was. I mean, we'll get into the acting in, in a bit. Um, but... <laughs> but um, it feels like, yeah, maybe that's that's part of the reason why it was that um, he was just trying to build a happy home mm-hmm. and he couldn't do that. So he would just lash out and, and, and kill his victims um, and then go and dump them in the and then go in, in the and, and chain them. But they weren't in, all being dumped in the reservoir, just her daughter. Because uh, they're dredging. Yeah, they, yeah. they started the episode. They're on the beach and they're dredging yeah. to find the little girl, but they didn't find her. Yeah. They right. found her somewhere else with her rocks. In some sort of um, but didn't they say we found we found her we found her with rocks in her pockets or something yeah. like that? Yeah, mm-hmm. or stones in her pockets. Yeah, I almost feel like I need to go back. <laughs> the, but see, that's the thing is that there is yeah, a rushed. lot to this story. Yeah. There's a lot mm-hmm. to uncover about it, mm-hmm. but it's 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 rushed. Yeah, mm. this is this is one of those films that I feel like you could take the entire plot of this movie. And rework it as like an eight episode miniseries, mm-hmm. and it would be fantastic. And it, I feel like it sits in the middle of two different styles of film. It's it's mm. in the middle of your regular early nineties um, dramatic movie, like in terms of like cinematography and what yeah. it looks like. Yeah. But mentally, it tries to take you on some sort of a, a psychological ride. Mm. Like, um, what movie am I thinking of? Um, 
memento or something like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Right? Where the whole the whole thing mm. is to screw with your head. And by and the that, time you're done, yeah. you're like, oh, I'm not even sure what I watched. And yeah. you, but it's just somewhere in the middle of both of those. And I feel, I almost wish there was more of that screwing with your head. Me too. Because it didn't, it was good at times, but it didn't really, it, it didn't give us a chance to really, as, as viewers, to really understand what Claire was going through. It was just like, oh, I'm going crazy. He's in my head. And then that was all it was. But also there's massive plot holes because mm-hmm. she is in the house mm-hmm. and she sees the dog barking at the swing moving. Mm-hmm. So what's happening there is the murderer, not only clairvoyant and attached to Claire, but also have telekinetic powers. That yeah. He Cause can the move apples the there. Swing. Yeah. And the apples and there. And then the boom box of... starts, yeah, but like yeah, yeah. that he can do all of these things remotely mm-hmm. or is Claire absolutely imagining all of that. Mm-hmm. And if she's imagining that, is she imagining being in the asylum that kind of looks like the future? Mm-hmm. Like it looks like a sci-fi spaceship. Oh yeah. That part asylum. with the padded walls. Yeah. Mm-hmm. With the weird like, glass door. I was like, yeah. is this even a place on earth? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Just backpedaling a little bit going to the beginning. Um, I really liked that the husband absolutely believed his wife mm-hmm. that she was psychic, mm-hmm. but he was super upfront with just being like, I don't understand it. Mm-hmm. He's like, I believe you, but I don't get it. Mm-hmm. Like, it makes no sense to me. And he wasn't just like, no, 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 you're insane. He was like, no, I, yeah, I he wasn't, wasn't gaslighting her, which is, which is good. He's just like, get, I have a hard a time. Yeah. You get that a lot in, in these types of movies where the wife is able to, to do something that the husband can't. And then he's just, oh, well, honey, you know, blah, 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 blah. And that didn't happen, which was good. Mm-hmm. He was, yeah, hundred percent supporting her and being like, okay, I believe you, but like, how do we like, what do we do with this information? How do we, yeah. How do we use this? How do I take this to the police? Even well, at the then, beginning, how do I, how do I tell the police? Like, what do I tell them? And then that's the thing when so. he did go to the police station, mm-hmm. he was talking to the police. I loved that shot. It was a long shot down a hallway. Um, with the husband sitting on the bench mm-hmm. and the police officer standing up talking to him. And they stayed in a really wide mm-hmm. shot for a long time. And mm-hmm. it wasn't until like the very end of the conversation where they, they bring it in and have a couple of close-ups before ending the scene. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't know what it was. That shot just stood out to me that it was just this like mm. three or four minute shot from like 50 feet back. And the detective uh, does a great acting job in there in his physicality of like mm-hmm. he can't sit still. Like, he just doesn't want to have this conversation. Like, he's fidgeting mm-hmm. the whole time. Like, yeah, kinda, he never sits down. Like he never sits down. He yeah. never, he never, he, like, he leans up against whatever's behind him. Yeah. Puts his foot up on it. Come, like, he's just, and then it's not until he has to tell him, like, break form for a policeman and give him information that he's not allowed to give him, which is just like, shut up. We found her. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. And that's when he's, his physicality completely drops. He makes eye contact. and He's just like, look, enough. Mm-hmm. this is why i won't have this conversation with you yeah i wrote down there's so much planned camera this movie is amazing just on on that level so yeah. this is a very good this movie is a very good example of meticulous planning for camera um they plan this like there's no ways they showed up to location and decided hey let's put a dolly track between these giant um these giant um shelves of cider bottles and then let's do a let's do a pan shot through the side there's no ways they just showed up and they just decided they were going to do that like they planned this crap months in advance so mm-hmm. shout out to darius uh kanji seven amour midnight in paris 
the deer he shot. Yeah, he shot yeah. seven. So uh, there, there's you can you can see where like he's like really really on point. Um, like yeah, just the like Claire's being chased through the through the through the rows of all the bottles and everything. I'm just like, oh my god! Like mm-hmm. I'm just like looking at this because you have all the distortion of them running through the bottles and the camera's catching it all. And it's just the children playing in the forest and and it just like so much of it even when it's real reality feels like it was shot as a dream. Like they, they tried mm-hmm. to shoot as much as they could as a dream. So I just, that alone like sucked me in. Mm-hmm. But again, it was a lot of the uh, plot holes and the logistics lo- logistical, what the fucks that took me out of the movie. And I'm, and, and sometimes it, sometimes it was the acting. Sometimes it was the lines. So it, it wasn't necessarily delivery that, that took me out. A lot of it, I think maybe, they just tried to cram too much into one movie. I feel like I just I feel like the the they didn't pick one thing. Like mm. the cinematography is absolutely beautiful. You're right, and mm. it does absolutely suck you in, and it has all of these very dreamlike qualities. Um, it's very artsy. Mm. It's very like university film student artsy mm-hmm. like we, they know that they can do these shots they know that they can do it and they do it but i'm like to what end mm-hmm. that whole sequence of her in the road and that huge immense car crash with a semi <laughs> flipping over I, we we work in film we know that those things <laughs> I'm, are like, I'm watching this scene and i'm like holy shit this is like this costs so much just to go after the dog right <laughs> like uh but my, my specific note is fuck that crash <laughs> cool crash great crash yeah probably two and oh, a half man. to three minutes of, of footage of the entire film and that amounts probably took to a, yeah nothing. and that yeah. and that was like nothing a to multi-day the story. multi-day thing as like, yeah. nothing to the story yeah. can you imagine being an ad on that and being like what but 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 why <laughs> that's like my note here kids and animals in the same scene <laughs> power to them like again yeah. it's i i can't give myself credit for this statement but i read a review on it and it was like it was a really well-made bad movie yeah like, yeah because when it came out it was not well received no and i mean be, again too like it kind of spreads in a couple of different areas it starts off as a very wholesome movie about clairvoyant woman mm-hmm. uh, and she's got her kid around and and things are happening kid dies and there's a murderer and then it leaks into this weird realm of like, are we dreaming? Or are we awake? Mm. And she's losing her mind. And then it goes right back to like, oh, the murderer is real, and this is where he is, and you're chasing him, and you're running for your life. Yeah, and it was. It's so it's yeah, like the it was beginning like and the end were one movie, yeah. and the middle was just this this dream. Yeah, it yeah. was like Memento meets the Fugitive meets Memento. It, it was like this weird sort of like yeah. And yeah, once once. Weird. Robert Downey Jr. comes on the camera. I was oh, now we're watching some interesting stuff. Mm-hmm. Even though in the same movie, we've watched that great underwater shot and that great mm-hmm. car crash. But I forget about that until Robert Downey Jr. comes on screen. I'm like, oh, it was something to watch. Yeah. Something yeah. interesting. I even wrote down there's a lot of random plot points that sort of lead to nowhere. You know, more focus should have been on her clairvoyance and the connection between her and the serial killer. Yeah. And then the one thing that really sucked me out in the beginning was the whole affair. The whole affair. <laughs> Like the, the supposed affair. I was like, does that add to the story no, in I think any it, it way? It was just so conflict between the husband and wife. Yeah, and that was it. Like just. To but then, but then it was like, for... but it, it was over in five minutes. It was like, oh, I'm, we we just had dinner, and 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 it does it show that the, like I don't know. It was just. It I don't get the like, point of it either. Yeah, it was it was unnecessary. And to your end, it was kind of nice that the husband had this very healthy like I 
I believe you. You're going mm-hmm. through this. I mm-hmm. see you go through this. Mm-hmm. It matters. It has an effect. I don't know what the effect is. I don't know how to support you. But and he's speaking to her very realistically, like, yeah, if it's that bad, then we have to do something. We need to get mm. you help. We need mm-hmm. to help. Or you need to help and you need to use these visions. Like, it's just it's a cool plot point. So why throw in this? Oh, well, he if might be cheating. Like, why? Yeah, <laughs> the letter fell nice... out of your pocket. You should be more careful hiding your letter, having your love letters. <laughs> You mean and, today's and the whole subplot is left, strange. and you're like, is he cheating? Is he not? And it yeah. doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Um, another point I wrote down here for acting, um, the doctors. I mean, obviously, they're not going to understand the whole clairvoyant aspect of things, and they're going to be very skeptical being being doctors. And I mean, getting, and I'm sure we've all been frustrated at doctors one time or another in our in our own lives. I know going to the doctor sometimes is like, hey, great, I just wasted you know, two hours in the waiting room and then I wasted an hour with you and I've still accomplished nothing after waiting six um, months to come and see my, you. My mom got sent home repeatedly once by a doctor who was just like, nah, you're faking it. Like, it's not as bad as you say it is. You just have the flu. And then eventually it was so bad that my dad brought her to the hospital like a third time and the shift change had happened and it was a different doctor. Mm. And the other doctor was just like, uh, your appendix burst hours ago. Oof. Uh, who, like, why did you only come in now? And they're like, no, 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 this is the third time we've been here. The other doctor sent us home twice being like, "Can you? it's not that bad. Go home. And the doctor on shift apparently just, like, walked over to the phone, picked it up, called the doctor who was in before him, and just started screaming at him. Good. I mean, bad that your mom had to go through that. Oh, yeah, she was... It but was, good that the other doctor got What should have out. been a six-day stay in the hospital for an appendix removal, because mm. it burst, ended up being like a six-week stay. Mm. Oh. But you were saying about the psychiatrist... Yeah, Claire's, are, or Claire's doctors are bordering on trying to be as uncaring, as empathetic as possible. I mean, she literally tells him, go to the hotel... You'll you'll find my husband's body. <laughs> like, yeah, just put her in the asylum. Forget about her for like two three days, and then by the way, and she escapes, and then pulls the gun on the police officer. By the way, go check the fucking hotel, <laughs> and then takes <laughs> off. It's just so I don't know. Uh, I I get it. The whole the whole plot point and the trope of doctors is to literally be uncaring and to to not listen. But it feels like this one was a bit too far because like. There was there were a couple of things she said where she was easily able to prove her clairvoyance, yeah. and the doctors still didn't fucking listen to her, and it was so frustrating. But you're also watching it from the perspective of having mm. followed Claire. Mm, if we if true. we shoot that same movie from the doctor's perspective, yeah, she's Claire, a crazy person. Is Claire the sixth yeah, person that yeah. day who yeah. has said <laughs> you have to go check this place? Yeah. You know, my dog has turned into a demon and is locked in this room. <laughs> like, they've heard variations of what she's saying all day long. So it's mm. it's how do you cut through that noise mm. and become special? Oh, I for guess. sure. Yeah. yeah. And and some of uh, some of Annette Benning's acting in this movie is amazing. And then yeah. sometimes it feels like the dialogue is just convenient. You know what I mean? I, I, di- I didn't know how to explain it. It was like she she would go on and on and on and then something would happen and it almost just, oh, that just wrapped that, that whole thing up. Okay, okay, great. Like she pulls the, I don't know, it just... There's there's two ways to see it mm. and I see it a different way okay. because I, I think her acting is kind of bang on in, in the whole thing. Okay. And if you take the scenes, and that's the other thing about the movie. So if you, if you take it 
by scene mm-hmm. and her acting in those scenes, mm-hmm. she is acting her reality. Right. And, and I find her to be quite realistic in those moments. It is pieced together very weirdly. Mm-hmm. And the only argument that I could make for it might be that it's it's the idea behind, yeah, she's going crazy. But, she's, but when you go crazy, you don't go crazy the whole time. You don't hit crazy and just stay there. Right. Right. So she bites her husband's lip. He, he's bleeding. She's mm. having a hard time. But then we immediately cut to the next morning and she's having a cigarette out on the porch and everything's normal. So as the outsider, mm. it's very jarring. It, it's, it, it takes you out of it. But if you were to follow this woman through her life and having slept the night and woken up and had a coffee and a cigarette, she's at, she's at a sane point in the mm. day. Yeah. So true, true. It, it's, it's, there's, one way to look at it and she is quite an amazing actress so i'm inclined to be mm-hmm. like she did the best that she can mm-hmm. i think the script is kind of similar to those hallmark scripts where we have where there's the dialogue doesn't fit because you're trying to cram yeah something into something. And for this movie i think you're trying to cram too much of an idea oh, absolutely into a, a small yeah parameter. it's like three ideas where it could be easily one and a half mm-hmm. you know and it, it, there was just too much going on but um can we talk for a minute about robert downey jr Mm-hmm. Um, oh, I well, sorry. One quick note while we okay. were on an event <laughs> was this was not that far off from American Beauty either. That's true. Oh. I think it came out two years. Or actually, it came out around the same time. Yeah, but it was. I'm pretty sure they were American Beauty came out in '99. I remember because I was working in the. Well, because this came out in '99, but it was shot in '97. Correct. Um, Might have been the same. Why did time it take then. two years? Sometimes they just mm. they want to they Bigger want movies well also editorial sometimes and maybe they didn't like what they what maybe they, they had, had too much footage they had too much like, footage how, we like, Gee, how do we how do we fix this yeah which kind of would would match what we're saying already because if mm. if it is very artsy and very planned and imagery maybe they did shoot more mm-hmm. it's probably two movies um, <laughs> they got two movies I want to see the director's cut yeah <laughs> actually hours. I want to see the DOP's cut yeah <laughs> seriously so. Robert Downey Jr. Mm-hmm. Now, this was 1996. He had been uh, yeah. arrested on drug charges. Yeah. He got clean. Mm-hmm. He did three or four movies in, 96, in 97 yep. remaining clean. This is the movie that he relapsed mm-hmm. halfway through filming. Yep. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah, I read that. I read that little anecdote yeah. as well. So so partway through mm-hmm. this movie is, is <laughs> Robert Downey Jr.'s relapse into drugs. Now... He's not a very big part of the movie. No, it feels like he needs to be in it. And he's more. he's pretty much in one location. Mm-hmm. I, it, 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 it's kind bridge. of yeah. begs yeah. A, a curious question: of was it something in his personal life that sent him back in? Was it him trying to get into this weird, very strange character? Mm. Did that play any role in it? Um, or was it just happenstance? Like he just made bad decisions and happened to be working on this film at the time. And and just looking at the schedule of the movie and, and knowing that he's only in two locations, he plays a very small part. So he's not in the movie a lot. There wouldn't be a lot of days of shooting attributed mm-hmm. to him. I don't think. Yeah. Yeah. Cause um, even the stuff that in the film before we see the big, re- the big reveal before we actually see him as the serial killer, it's just like, we don't ever see the full person. Like we see like a hand or we, yeah. or we see like a whatever, like getting the husband getting stabbed in the eye, for example. It's like, yeah. we didn't mm-hmm. see the serial killer. We just saw probably stand in or somebody else. Cause that's probably not, I would assume, mm-hmm. I would assume, especially at that time, he would have had already a name attributed, a little bit of a name attributed yeah, to him. He, he sure. cost a little bit of money. So why not bring in a hand mm-hmm. um, for the murderer? 
but anyway, so I, I can't help but wonder if it's a little bit of um, tabloid gossip to just make it more interesting mm. because mm. it I just don't feel like there's a lot there or, or I just don't feel like there's a lot of um, real life time for him to have gone into a relapse. Yeah. Right. It does feel though. And I wrote this down <laughs> that it's Robert Downey Jr. Acting as Nick Cage <laughs> acting as a, as Robert Downey Jr. Acting as a serial killer. So he's kind of doing the whole um, Tropic Thunder thing again. Nick Cage. Uh, before. <laughs> so, like, I, I don't know. It just felt like, yeah, I mean, he's a serial killer. He has some identity issues. Um, it feels like more time could have went into just figuring out this character. Mm. But again, given how little he is in the film, he probably didn't have enough time to figure out who the character is. Or right? did the relapse affect the shooting schedule? Mm, and we've ended up with a version with less Robert Downey Jr. and less of the murder and more of her dreaming blah, 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 confusing this because of reality. They could yeah. have potentially mm. shot a lot of the finale stuff earlier on. True. Depending on that location. Mm -hmm. Like if they were shooting mm -hmm. at that location, that yeah. could have happened earlier. They could have then gone to shoot a bunch of his stuff at the orchard. He relapsed and then they just didn't shoot as much. I mean, granted, unless we talk to the creators of the film, we'll never know this. Yeah. It's pure speculation. What <laughs> I want to know is what does the trans community think of this movie and of his character? Because they probably, I mean, I can only assume they, they don't appreciate sort of that well and my question too is like is this a true split personality or is right. it uh you know a, a character or an affectation that brings him comfort like and then is mm -hmm. it true trance he did you notice two times he talked into the mirror and it sounded like he was talking in a different voice so at the very end um he looks at, at after his hair has been cut and he's he's in, he's incarcerated again he looks into the mirror and he says this will be all right and it's almost like he he put on a different mode, and it's like he's acting as the mother who who was the one that abused him, yeah. uh, as, as we saw throughout the movie. But again, it's like his character is so strange. Like you see what he goes through as a child, like he was chained to the bed as as the thing was being flooded, and you feel sympathetic for for this character. But it's like, but then all of a sudden he's just evil. It's like yeah, you went through shock therapy and you went through. Like they they friggin like waterboard him basically uh, yeah. as as a kid and they they did all this shit to him at the asylum which is terrible but it's like and then all of a sudden you see him and he's like I don't know like a late teenager when he's trying to escape and mm -hmm. he's just like he's just evil like he's just evil and he's thinking and he's not like neurotic and he's not like uh, he doesn't seem like a, an abuse victim I I mean I'm maybe I'm going out on a limb here but it just seems like some of it was just. Oh, I I'm the serial killer. I needed to have a tiny bit of a backstory, so now everything is just now I'm a now I'm a convenient serial killer. Is kind of how I felt watching his character. And for me, it felt like it was it just kept wanting us to jump to the conclusion mm -hmm. that this is split personalities. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Without really solidifying any kind of a direction, mm -hmm. it was just like jump to this conclusion because it excuses all the weird behavior. Yeah. Like yeah. I, I got the feeling mm -hmm. that they were trying to do like like you said yeah. like the the he's created in his mind the persona of his mother mm -hmm. as a secondary personality. Um, but I, I also think like the cross-dressing stuff that he does was purely an escape plan. Right. Like that wasn't anything but 
he needed to get out, so he dressed as one of the nurses. But then he's to like twenty years later, facility. he's in the cidery, and he still looks like that, right? He's still. And the whole time that Claire's thinking of him and attached to him very early on in the movie, it's Vivian Thompson, and that's why yeah. she keeps saying it's a man or a woman. I thought the character's mm. actual name was Vivian, though. Like I thought, like just that was just his actual name was Vivian. Oh, that's super unclear. Because like I, yeah, cause I took from it the very as, beginning, it was referred to as Vivian. Yeah, yeah like the like mom he, called the, him. The Vivian. mom called him Vivian. I think it was the maybe it's one of those things where like the mom wanted a daughter and yeah. didn't get one, mm-hmm. so she named her son Vivian. Put him in dresses, that kind of thing. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Anyways, um, yeah. So he's just evil from a young age, and he escapes the facility, but does psychiatric abuse and treatment sort of a killer make? Like that's kind of the question I'm posing. Like. He had all that shit happen to him and then he got to the asylum and it's like instead of taking care of him, they just abused him further. But then that turned him into a serial killer. It just I don't know. It kind of uh, I feel like he would have ended up as a serial killer either way that the asylum just didn't help. (laughs) No, definitely not. Yeah. Yeah. And there's there's an element of him trying to like rebuild the past, like find Mm -hmm. a daughter, find yeah family like that's the whole thing of creating yeah. the, the little family and he's starting by trying to find a child and then in the end and then the mom's dressed which was kind of creepy yeah and <laughs> like putting and putting claire in the mom's dress mm-hmm. and then having the kid and then yeah but he's still i don't know it was it feels like it's it's like it's one small little hill that it just had to go over to be a good movie. You know what I yeah. mean? Like it went yeah. through it went through a bunch of like I think really that's good. Why I'm mad at it. It's like eh, and we just gave up. It's it, like it just, we it went had all so much went potential up, and then we just went back. And it never quite hits and anything what, satisfying. What was the ending? So did she did she go with her daughter? Like she's drowning. Did she die? And then she go with the daughter and now she's haunting Vivian? Is oh, that yeah. what happened or is oh, she yeah. still alive? No. But she's figured out how to do the clairvoyance thing and then like infect his mind. Uh, I believe my final note was Fuck yeah, Ghost Claire. That's what I thought. I was like, okay, she. But at the same time, I, think I she was died. like, maybe because you don't see her, so you can assume that she died. But in a way, it feels like her powers are so strong, she would have to be like alive to be able to affect Vivian in that way. Like that's what I feel. And you I, know? I almost so, wanted it to be that. Yeah, I like wanted, my mind went there too, and yeah. I was like, well, that's kind of neat. But yeah, I, I, yeah. I feel like their intention is just she's just a ghost now. Yeah, and that's. But I wanted to see her in the waiting room, like with a devilish smile on her face, because now she's just fucking with. Because she's reversed yeah, that yeah, power that reversed, he, yeah, he exactly. used on her. Yeah, that's what I wanted to see. You know, and then and then they don't really touch on it, or not too too much. It was it's not super clear, but it feels like the whole clairvoyant um, connection to Claire, which again is an annoying thing that Claire is mm-hmm. the clairvoyant. But anyways. <laughs> I feel like that connection. Oh God, I didn't even think of that. Is, now. Is, oh, oh, that's brutal. Is is to draw her in with the child mm-hmm. to create that perfect family, right? right? Mm-hmm. It's like so. I enjoyed the idea of like, well, now it's flipped, and she's used that power to now abuse him and haunt mm-hmm. him. Mm-hmm. Um, can we talk about the apple scene? Why? Are Which there one? So many. Apples? When when the kitchen goes crazy. Apples everywhere. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Every scene, apples in the foreground. Yeah, apples there was the a lot of apples. Apples hey, on the so, counter. So, was she just making like a boatload of apple pies? Because that was a lot of apples for one did, apple pie. Did you <laughs> work on Swedish pie? Yeah. Yep. Apples I everywhere. Think... <laughs> I feel just like. a knowing look from Jesse. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> that entire scene was a nightmare for me to watch purely from a. I felt so bad for the props team. 
<laughs> because the reset on that scene of just apples going everywhere. And this and is was it a carburetor? Because it was like shooting out, yeah. just shooting like, everything. I don't think you picked up on this, Mark. For all of its good camera shots and all of mm. its planning, this one shot when they're up in the corner of the kitchen and they're going from her at the island grabbing the apples to the sink, her shoving them in, mm. they're just whip panning. Yeah, I I didn't like that. I didn't like. I was like, uh. And I under, I understand you're supposed to be, you're supposed to be like, um, uncomfortable. It's an uncomfortable moment. But I I hate that they just they have the camera arm and they're and they're just yanking on it back and forth. That I didn't appreciate. But like the steady cam was great and like yeah. the all all the the giant pans, all the truck ins. Yeah, those are amazing. But like that one moment. Yeah, you're right. Absolutely. I was like, this is. What is this? And that's shit. <laughs> right in the movie where yeah. you're like, is it real? Is it not real? Yeah. What yeah. am I so watching? That, that was the scene where it was like, if there was ever any question of just like something that was in her imagination, it was that apple chaos scene in the kitchen. Mm-hmm. Where I was like, is this is this real? But I, also the dog barking at the, the swing going mm. by. Like none of that can be real. But then the dog mm-hmm. ran away and she went looking for the dog. And that's when he, that's when the, when Vivian grabbed the dog. So that she could use it to 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 bait her when she was in the asylum, but then also to bait uh, the husband um, to go to the the hotel where mm-hmm. he was killed. Right. So, yeah, that I that whole don't... scene made no sense. And why apples for the entire theme? The only thing that I could make a connection to the apples was the play that they're doing mm-hmm. um if I'm, it, in if yeah. the kids is mm-hmm. snow white yeah. and that whole idea is sort of like this foreshadowing of the entire movie and, so and much this, foreshadowing in this movie. and the entire idea but it but it but the apples just keep continuing mm-hmm. and i don't well, know when why. they got to the cidery and it was like it was over the top it's like I'm looking at all these apples, and and, the, and the first thing I'm thinking, okay, are these rotten? How long have these been here? Are they, you yeah, know? and I mean, there was at, at the end when she jumps, she jumps through the I don't know what you want to call it. The uh, she jumps down into the silo. Yeah, uh, and, the and there's a whole bunch of rotten ones there. I'm like, okay, good. We have some. We have some apples that are rotten. Like yeah. at least there's a tiny bit of realism here with, with the whole. But there's so many apples, and I'm thinking, like, but is this who, what he does? Is this how who, he lives? Does he does he actually press he these in apples his, in his spare no, time? No, picks the apples. Yeah, because they, they couldn't have been there for that long. No, no, they would have been delivered. They would have had to have been no delivered. Sense. Yeah, so it would have been like, was it prime apple picking Not season? It's an orchard. No, it wasn't. An no, orchard. it wasn't. It was no, a and that's why they couldn't find it because she kept saying that it he was, was taking the children to an orchard. And that's why the police could never because find she it. Kept seeing apples, but yeah. it was a cidery. But then, no, when but, is a cidery not close to an orchard? <laughs> in yes. the beginning, beginning, beginning of the movie, yeah. one of her visions with Vivian and the little girl, he's walking through an orchard. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, they probably did at some because they, we, you know, we because that, that, that was her. Around. That was her daughter though in that first vision, was it not? Well, she doesn't know that yet. She doesn't know that, but we kind of figure well, that and out. And again, we're we're assuming because yeah. the body of that little girl shows up in the ravine of yeah. the drowned city. And it's why, again, back mm. to my initial argument, why would yeah. he drive her out? Mm-hmm. Cause I don't think he has a car. So why would he get her out <laughs> yeah. to the cidery, which we well, think and is I, an and orchard think, and then, and then bring her back. Yeah. And I think he's, he, he kidnapped the, uh, Claire's daughter. Well, he kidnapped Claire's daughter at the play, mm-hmm. which was in the forest. And maybe mm-hmm. on the way out of the forest, there was an orchard and that's kind of what she was seeing, but it was late at night. So Which was, magically were, is connected to a so cider at the end of the movie. Maybe they were like, yeah. maybe they were walking all night type of thing. But like what little girl would go with a random stranger for like an eight hour walk until <laughs> sunrise? You know, it's just like, I don't generally girls aren't like 
kids in general aren't that trusting. So yeah. it just kind of like, I don't know. Uh, mm, I guess. Eight. I don't know. Yeah, not at that age. I was going to say, my, my <laughs> toddler. have a lot of questions at that age. Was, my legs are tired. Where are we going? They, I'm hungry. Their, day, like, <laughs> their daycare took them to a playground. Yeah. And apparently there was another, just a random mom with her kids at the playground. And they were leaving. And my daughter just walks up to this woman, holds her hand, and goes to walk away with them. Oh, wow. And this woman's like, no. No, no you, you have to go back there. Like, you, you can't come with me. <laughs> What a creepy moment for that mom. <laughs> I don't want to kidnap you. This two and a half year old just walks up, just holds yeah. her hand, just like, okay, I'm ready. Take me. Um, the only last couple things I have were the locations in this movie were just so, so good. So insane. Just yeah. like, it was almost this, feels like production. Like New like, England? Was this New England? Ma- Massachusetts, I think. Ma- Massachusetts? Massachusetts. I can't say it. Don't stop. <laughs> Um, but apparently, Massachusetts. Massachusetts. I've, got, I've got two other points. When... Um, but uh, yeah, the the yeah the somewhere New Englandy. The locations were insane. Uh, the the forest where they were had their play was insane. The home was insane. The insane asylum was insane. Insane. <laughs> my note uh, for my note for the in, the hospital was like this place does not do upkeep. Yeah, it does. Like, it's not real. Like no way. Like everything else in the movie is think... fully realistic. But then they hop into this asylum, which is mm. set decorated like it's the 1950s of yeah. that like slight alien power. Like now, granted, this is post closing of most of the insane asylums yeah. in the states because Reagan shut them have been mostly down. down. Yeah. And it could be this is just that one place that doesn't really charge that much. Because they're so crappy and run down. And so they're no, just it like, was, we just don't update yeah. shit. But we kept it open because there's still going to be people who just want to dump people off. So back in, in the height of aviation, a pilot who's regularly working and away from home is choosing the cheapest asylum for his wife. Who's no, I'm saying it's the only daughter. one that's open. <laughs> I'm saying it's the only one that exists. The only one that's it's still open. There's yeah. just something about that whole sequence that doesn't match. No, for sure, and and the the abandoned hotel was amazing, and apparently, oh, such a great set. Apparently, mm. maybe I, I don't know how long afterwards, but they said that uh, that hotel was sort of rediscovered and like revamped, and now it's like open and fully open, oh, and neat. it's like oh. a tourist destination. Apparently, it's neat. I mean, that's nice. Yeah, that's nice. To maybe hear. we should go metric trip. <laughs> and the movie had money, and so I feel like that oh, yeah. say, asylum thing is all a choice, right? Mm-hmm. Because, um, like you were saying, the the Shakespeare. The kids doing Shakespeare in the park, like mm. first of all, yeah, right. Just, just the <laughs> grandioseness of this play in yeah. the park with these children. Like I've yeah. done Shakespeare in the park as an adult, and just the level of production value oh, that this absolutely. had. It had a horse. Yeah, yeah. A there's a kid on a horse. That's right. Rode a horse <laughs> into the middle of the play. Yeah, Again, the huntsman. The huntsman. <laughs> animals and children in the same scene. That is just absolutely yeah. wild. Um, yeah. So the whole asylum, the whole dream sequence, it's just like it had to have been a choice. Mm-hmm. And I don't mm-hmm. get it. <laughs> I think it was just very, they were just going all, they were going for broke with just being stylistic with this yeah. film. Mm-hmm. Now, um, one thing that we haven't touched upon, and I, I don't know how we've made this, this um, that had gone this far. What are we in? Like almost 40 minutes in now without having touched on this one part that 
that is never explained it makes no sense and and in the very half the half of the movie is just used repeatedly over and over again in really random places and times is my daddy was a dollar right yeah the nursery rhyme type thing i don't it's carved into the walls of yeah. where but it the didn't Drown really City. like it's carved into the walls of the asylum that she vivian and her it. yeah she's, she's singing it. like yeah. i'm and it comes from nowhere and it goes nowhere i think the only reason that that exists was to like something that the that vivian had had heard as a child and was seared into their mind purely as a way to like connect the dots like oh it was there oh and it's here again yeah it's sort of a macguffin of sorts yeah okay like that's it okay (laughs) it's lame it's something that some writer came up with and was just like this is really cool but it doesn't actually have that much bearing on on the story whatsoever it could have been any nursery rhyme it's just that if the fact that it gets repeated throughout to connect vivian to different locations Mm -hmm. and times Mm mm-hmm which then we have to believe that Vivian was in this asylum that Claire has now been brought to as the second asylum. Because mm-hmm. the, the first one wasn't good enough. No. <laughs> so let's bring her to a second one. And make sure she's in the same room as her, uh, yeah, serial killer stalker. Yeah. Yeah. And it, it wasn't until she starts breaking out of that room that I was like, oh, no, oh this is real. Yeah. Oh, this, this is absolutely like, still it's real. It's actually just how, how she gets out yeah but like it just it doesn't make sense how she gets to the first asylum what's happening when she's in the first asylum why she goes to the second asylum yeah I is mean, this just another room in the again, same again 70 75% of a movie yeah 75% again I, I think that if you took this whole concept of this town that got flooded and this evil mother that chained her child to the bed and left them in the town. And this whole like murder mystery where you have a clairvoyant, Mm -hmm. you have this psychic who specifically has a psychic connection to the killer. Mm -hmm. If you were to take that and really flesh it out and have the whole insane asylum storyline over the course of like six to eight episodes of a miniseries, I think you could have something really fucking cool. Like 30 minutes or 45 minutes or something like that. Yeah. Well, even like hour episode, like six mm-hmm. hour long episodes. Yeah. No, there's definitely really good story beats in this movie. But again, it, like you're, it's nothing is really fleshed out enough to make you sort of care because you're just sort of left wondering like, OK, I wonder where that's going to go. Yeah. Uh, well, you could really like get into the mystery of who's this killer mm. and the killer's backstory and maybe a little bit more backstory on on Claire. You could flesh out that whole situation with the potential affair. Like that could isn't just like a single scene thing. Um, it's based off a book. Oh, it is. Oh yeah. yeah. That's okay. True. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks, Jesse. Um, I want to read the book now. <laughs> I don't know if I said it was captured by the way. So yeah, it'll probably get picked up. Based um, on a book. Which uh, there might just be, yeah, there might just be a lot of parts of it that are shot because they felt like they had to. Mm. And there might be parts of the story that is assumed will be implied by previous knowledge. We'll also assume that it just reads well, right? They're like, we're going to shoot the scene and it's going to, it's going to work. Well, and it's, it's kind of that thing, right? When you're writing your own story and you, Mm. you're rereading the same part over and over again, and you've kind of made a mistake in there, but you're not seeing it because it's in your mind. So mm-hmm. I wonder if the people mm-hmm. who made this movie after a certain point were like, oh, it's super clear. And you're like, uh, not so <laughs> and I was really, I was really excited to do this podcast because I 
it, as I said, I watched it in two different sittings a couple of months ago and then I had mm-hmm. to watch it again. Yeah. Um, and so I was really, really tired the first time that I watched it. Had to stop it in the middle of the dream sequence because I was getting so confused. Mm. And then finished it. That was months ago. So rewatched it last night, a little bit intoxicated. And I was like, it, none of it is gelling. Is it me? <laughs> so it's really neat to kind of bounce yeah. the same ideas. Now, one question that I have, which might be a stupid question based on on the, my state when I was watching it. Mm-hmm. Is it clear that the little boy chained to the bed is Vivian? And like, how did he yeah. get out of that situation? Uh, I like I so, think there there yeah. is. So you see you see initially the person chained to the bed in a scene. Mm-hmm. My children are awake. Um. And then later on, you see a longer version of that scene where Vivian breaks the bed and gets out. Mm-hmm. Okay. I thought it was the water was rushing in and maybe the bed floated. So there was some of that. But then but yeah. then like the bed gets broken. Vivian yeah. Escapes. And then it's funny, though, because chained like by the wrist and then able to swim out. But then once they're outside, no longer chained to the wrist. I noticed all that. So they were <laughs> they were chained by by the wrist. And then the water rushes in, the bed floats or something. They're able to swim out, get to the window. They're they're on the church. They're like hanging out of the window and then there's no more chain. And then they're yeah. in yeah. the church steeple and it, then there's boats circling. It almost seemed like the boats were like jeering Vivian or something. Like they weren't even trying to save. To, to me, weird. I was like, is this in Vivian's head? Yeah, <laughs> like, I was like, is true. this that's just yeah. because the city was flooded in 1965 or something yeah. like that yeah and this movie is set in 95 so it's like 30 years so does that match vivian's age and the age of the boy i don't think so no i don't think it does so it right yeah. so again I, for, for and they me, and they never make like, it apparent that the know. movie i don't think they ever say when the movie takes place but it seems like it's modern for the yeah, time, it's so like it seems like mid, it's mid nineties, mid nineties, maybe, which like would be because what the the child Vivian's around ten, yeah, so that would make Vivian like forty, yeah, and Vivian yeah. doesn't it looks somewhere doesn't between twenty and thirty, it. like it yeah. looks like a very young thirty, if thirty. Mm-hmm. So it, it, to me, it just that felt, bothered me. Oh, as and then well. Vivian escaped. I can't remember the year, but it was like seventy two or something like that. So Vivian yeah. would have escaped when she was like sixteen or something. So then it would have been like another. Well, if it, if it 20, was, 20 plus years before. Yeah, yeah. so it would have been like 36, 40. Yeah. Somewhere around there. Yeah. Yeah, it seems kind of. Yeah, because they never say like this movie takes place in mm, 1982, yeah. which would have made more sense. Yeah. Not based on um, the cars, but anyways. Sorry, I'm no, 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 but like, a stickler for that. No, no, but that's <laughs> what I'm saying. Like, well, that it, car came out in 95. <laughs> it it would have made more sense story-wise. Like, mm-hmm. I don't know why 1965 was picked as the date, unless yeah. that's a remnant from the book. Yeah. But then they just cast robert downey jr yeah who was younger at the time yeah because there's no way uh, they're driving off the bridge <laughs> oh my god she should not have survived that like no but i'm just watching it and i'm just like ah no there's no surviving just, like, that it just the no but just the, the just driving just the act of just driving off like just driving i understand driving frantically driving angry driving hurt oh she's committing scared. suicide yeah no and i realize that she's doing but i'm just like eh. Oh, and just, she she uh, wakes up from that situation in a fully modern hospital. <laughs> yeah, six days, six weeks later, six weeks. Right, I remember the husband said six weeks. Yeah, yeah. Uh, anyways, um, so are we, oh. how, how are so, we feeling? So Robert Teddy Jr. was born in 1965. Wow. Yeah. So, however old that kid was in the flashback scenes, I would have said the character is that much older yeah. than Robert Teddy Jr. But the kids that he was, how old were the kids that he was abduct, uh, abducting? Like seven, eight. 
So that would have been, I, I, in my mind, that would have been his targets because that's how old he, he was, was when all that yeah. shit happened to him, right? Even so. then, that still puts him at, okay, so the movie was filmed in 97, so we'll mm-hmm. say it takes place. We'll say it takes place in 1995. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, I think the book probably came out previously, but because of when the movie came it out, been at least, they didn't adjust yeah, that 1965 to when the book came out. And they didn't adjust it for like, okay, the movie came out eight years later. They didn't bump it up to 1972. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so it would have been like mid-30s to 40s. Well, it would have been, if that's 1965. 65, it would have been like seven or eight. Yeah, yeah it would have been. So it would have been 37, seven, eight, 37 yeah. 38, something like that. So yeah. late 30s. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which he does not look. Which Robert Downey Jr. was 32 when they filmed. Yeah, mm-hmm. you know, but he knows who he is. He's a dude playing a dude disguised as another dude <laughs> sorry i had to throw that in there <laughs> uh he was creepy as fuck in this mm-hmm. movie though mm-hmm. like he did a really good job of playing that crazed still creepy. feels like nick cage <laughs> he was really the best part of this movie oh for sure and ed benning did a good job with what she had mm-hmm. and and kept me somewhat interested in in the storyline the whole time mm-hmm. but he was just very captivating mm-hmm. in his role yeah yeah i'll give him that it was good. Um, Do we want to rate it? Yeah. So what's what's our technical ratings? A technical, I have to give it a fairly high rating. Mm-hmm. Especially yeah. knowing how film gets done. There's a lot in here to appreciate mm-hmm. and value. Mm-hmm. And I'd have to give it like a strong like eight for the times mm-hmm. as well. Yeah. Like it's a little mm-hmm. bit older now. So well, and I got to say, we haven't touched on this yet, but the soundtrack was really good too. Mm-hmm. Didn't like, jump out I at quite, me. I, I liked the soundtrack. So I didn't watch the first like 45 minutes until, or I watched it on my phone, <laughs> which is terrible. And then Sophie finally woke up, my daughter, and I, I borrowed her laptop and I borrowed her super awesome headphones. And, and then I noticed that the sound w- was quite good. You but, have a television, Mark. No, I can't turn a television on at 6 a.m. My daughter's sleeping. We're, we're both sleeping at, it's, uh, it's holidays. We're, we're sleeping days at my, after the yeah. holiday. <laughs> yeah, we're, we're sleeping at, at my parents' place and we're sleeping right. right in front of the TV. So that would not mm. have worked out. That's so, fair. Oh, yeah. um, actually, we should mention why you had to uh, make a new mug this morning. I think I think I might have talked about it in the last episode when we did get In the it. preamble. Um, oh, yeah, sorry, sorry. Yeah, yeah but I did, I, we, we in the last episode, we showed... Uh, the clip from uh, Daniel, the director of This Love is From Another Planet. Mm-hmm. Uh, and in that video, he requested one, re- requested one of these mugs that my wife made for us so that we can have them on the show. Thank you, Angela. Um, Thank you. Thanks so much. Uh, and he requested one. So two days before Christmas, I went to the post office and shipped one to him, <laughs> um, which then meant we only had two mugs. So in an emergency, <laughs> I had Angela make another one for us this morning. Um, if you want to see other things she makes, you can check out amazedesigns.ca. Um, there, nice there's plug. your plug. Nice plug. And, and also, uh, we have this wonderful, you know, rotating sets. Yeah. Oh, yeah. We should, I guess we should talk about <laughs> musical <laughs> sets. We're, musical in a, sets. <laughs> we're in another space. Uh, last, last week. Uh, well, not last week. Gifted, we released before the holidays. Uh, this episode, we're shooting a few days after Christmas. We'll probably start releasing these in a week or two. Um, last time we were in Aaron's store. This time we're in my workshop. Uh, for those of you who don't know, mm-hmm. I am a props master and props builder. And this is my little basement workshop where I build stuff, which is why there's a giant tool chest behind me and a wall of building materials. And, you know, just 
Star Wars stuff because reasons. That's for me. Reasons. <laughs> That's for me. You can't see it, but behind Nina is the massive Lego castle set. <laughs> I've done nothing else for the past three days. It's a beautiful <laughs> part of, of between Christmas and New Year's. It's yep. just the nothing days. Yeah. But back to why we're here. Uh, I give it a technical <laughs> rating of eight. Yeah. Mark? I would agree. I'm maybe a bit higher, like uh, almost nine. So I'd, I'd give it like a between 8.5 and a nine. So like an 8.75. Um, no, it's just, it just technically was lit. Amazing. It was shot really well. The underwater stuff, the, the sets, the, the stupid semi truck crash, like yeah. all of these things were just technically very technically on point. So yeah, I, I almost give it a nine. Like just like just a hair away from, from giving it a nine, nine out of 10. So. And just so people out there know, the the technical rating that we give a film is absolutely for the director, the crew, the people who made this movie. Mm -hmm. We're giving a rating to them separately from how much we enjoyed the film because there are people out there who work really hard and are very good at their jobs. But it doesn't mean that the the final result is going to be a good movie. And it's not their fault that it's not a good movie. Uh, case in point, I don't know how well the camera can see this. There's a poster behind me for a film called The Humanity Bureau uh, with Nicolas Cage. Uh, it's a film that Mark, myself, Jesse, who's mm -hmm. over there, uh, we all worked on this film. There's a lot of very talented people who put a lot of time and effort into making that movie um, and who did a really good job. But that movie's shit. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it's hot garbage. I only have the poster on my wall. Because that was the time that I got to meet Nicolas Cage and work with him. Um, there's a point in that a movie career where high point. <laughs> there's a sniper crosshair on him and he like dodges out of that's the way. That's a different movie, Mark. No, that's Humanity Bureau when he's in the forest trying to get away. Oh, does he do it again? Yeah. Isn't that in the movie like next or whatever? Yeah, he does it again. In the movie next, it's really bad where he's just yeah. like, oh, <sighs> wait. That might, that, might, a bullet. that might be a different movie. That that's that's a different movie. <laughs> I could be Mark. Okay, I'm sorry. <laughs> What's your technical rating? Uh, yeah, I'm going to give it like a solid eight and a half, nine. Um, mm -hmm. Like I said, like I think the cinematography was great. Mm -hmm. um, props to the props people who had to reset that Apple scene. Oh, um, I like the soundtrack. Just a visually good film. I, yeah. I mean, it was a little fast paced, but I think overall the editing was well done. Um, I enjoyed it based on how like, probably they had to get that movie in under yeah. two hours and they had six hours worth of footage and they're like, okay, let's, uh, let's squeeze it yeah, in. Yeah. Clown car. Um, yeah. Uh, enjoyment rating. Nina go. Five and a half. Like it, it's, it's just no six. It just passes. Mark, it's just entertaining, but like mm. I would, I, I you wouldn't, wouldn't watch you, it. I wouldn't watch you it wouldn't again. watch it again if you didn't have to, because we had to watch it again because <laughs> we were supposed <laughs> to record this episode five months ago. Yeah. And um, somebody didn't show up. Yeah, well, we can't put. We, we'll we'll get in. That'll be that story. That story will be on the Patreon. <laughs> yeah, we're just, we we will we're record just, that story. I'm gonna, and it'll be on the Patreon. I'm gonna sit Mark in front of a microphone, and when we make a Patreon. If anybody wants to help support us, because I just we do this story. all for free, <laughs> I'll um, be red. I will be beat red the entire time. There's a great <laughs> fucking story behind why Mark didn't show up for that recording session, and oh, it's hilarious. And I had to keep it secret mm. until because you were live texting me, mm -hmm. and nobody while else was, knew. And I was, was like, happening. I got to keep this to myself until you're willing to talk about it. 
Yeesh. All right. Um, in terms of how much I enjoyed this movie, I enjoyed parts of this movie. Parts of this movie I really enjoyed. Parts of this movie I was like, why on God's green earth did they? <laughs> and I'm, I'm, I'm not a practicing Christian, but <laughs> why did they choose to do this? So I, I kind of agree with your rating. I want to give it a slightly higher rating, maybe six and a half. Um, I, I enjoyed parts of this movie. I feel like those parts are kind of outweighing the parts I really didn't enjoy. So maybe my reading is skewed. Maybe I'd even, I'd almost give it a, I'd almost give it a seven, but not quite. So. Gotcha. Hmm. It's one of those things where, yeah, this if is you took like, out 20 minutes in the middle. Seven. Solid I, I feel, seven. I feel like they could add, they could add 20 minutes and I would, <laughs> and I would understand more yeah. and I might enjoy it even more. But then again, yeah. it might feel too long. It's it's hard to say. Yeah, I give it like a six point five, maybe as high as like a six point seven five, something like that. So gotcha. Mm. So I'm I'm gonna give it like a solid seven seven and a half. And I think one, I've always enjoyed this type of movie. Mm. Um, like this has just always been like my jam. Like the weird suspense kind of psychological. Yeah, yeah. There, I I just enjoy that genre in general. I also think where I was personally at the time was the kind of movie that like I go through phases of I'll watch kind of specific types of films based on just where I'm at mentally, emotionally. And this one just happened to fit into that time period of this was exactly the type of movie that I would have wanted to watch at that time. Mm. Um, upon our rewatch, I had zero interest in watching it again, <laughs> but at the time, I think I also watched it at like three or four o'clock in the morning mm-hmm. after we were shooting. Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. so at the time I was just overtired, wasn't in a great place, just wanted something dark and weird. And so I, I fin I remember finishing the movie and just being wide awake being like, that was awesome. I really liked that movie. And then upon rewatch, I was like, it's not that good. <laughs> so my initial was like a seven and seven, seven and a half. Mm. It's been brought down to like a, a five and a half, six since then. Hmm. Um, it was one of those. And it happens where you just catch a movie at the right moment. Yeah. Like for you. Yeah. That it just, it, it hits in the right mm-hmm. way. Mm-hmm. And that was what happened the first time I watched it. Yeah. So, um, anyways, I think, I think we come to an end here. Mm-hmm. Feels, feels closed. Um, that was another episode of the random cinematic universe. Uh, we watched in dreams mm-hmm. um, next week. So we had a hiccup originally. We were supposed to there air this episode and then the episode of gifted due to availability. We reversed the order. Mm-hmm. So uh, at the time of recording, this gifted has already been released and we will be recording this one. So now next week is the Dark Tower, mm-hmm. 2017, based on the Stephen King novel. Uh, Novels. Quite a few of them. The Gunslinger. Mm-hmm. Uh, for those of you who are listening and not watching, I'm holding up a copy of The Gunslinger. Um, and in that episode... Uh, so, again, I, I bring up the fact that the original schedule I made for the show was created around this time last year, um, where I just preset which streaming service we were going to pick... And then I use a randomizer for each one of those streaming services. So if I go, okay, this week is a Netflix film, then I hit 
random movie title on Netflix. So, it's totally Nina's fault. Uh, some of the titles that when I initially made the schedule are no longer available on those streaming services. So the dark tower was originally on Netflix. Uh, I'll have Jesse and Mark for that episode. Um, but we did have to rent it. It was mm-hmm. a three ninety nine yeah. rental for oh, standard definition. Because I, you picked HD. Well, yeah. that's your fault. <laughs> <laughs> I want to watch it in higher definition. <laughs> I did not. I didn't care. So anyways, that was, uh, that was this week's episode. Uh, we hope you enjoyed please like and subscribe and if you're on youtube um we, we need it please yeah. watch our <laughs> other episodes too watch our other episodes haven't already <laughs> go watch rattle cans great episode oh yeah episode three great. just watch it <laughs> if you want to see three of the angriest people you've ever seen in your mm-hmm. life go watch that episode yes. okay thanks bye, bye. I've been left alone (laughs) with a rolling camera (laughs) and a microphone. I wish I could think of something funny to do.